Last week in 1 Corinthians, we kind of uh, began to, to move on to some more specific problems that were going on in the church in Corinth. We, we saw that kind of the general problem was that there were some divisions in the church. And, and last week, Paul uh, kind of shifted gears and be, began to point out some specific situations that were going on. Uh, last week it was a uh, was a situation of of sexual immorality that was going on, where where there was a son uh, who was having an inappropriate relationship with his father's wife, and and Paul was was dealing with that, saying, that, look, sometimes that there are situations that are going to arise in in a, in a body of Christ, and and. Uh, Perhaps the same situation we talked about, or perhaps others, but there are times as Christians where uh, we have to uh, be able to stand up and deal with those situations. Paul was telling the people, hey, look, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as part of a, of a body, uh, you are to be able to judge others. He said, uh, the people on the outside, we're not to judge them. Uh, the Lord will judge them. But those of us who call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ, there is some accountability that, that is to be had there, as we saw from what Paul was telling uh, the people of Corinth last week. And so we're going to kind of continue on uh, in, in a similar vein today as far as, as dealing with issues that may arise among us. And so we will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, just the first 11 verses. We'll start with verse 1. I'll read through the text and then we will pray. 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 1. If any of you has a legal dispute against another, do you dare go to court before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you know, excuse me, or don't you know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest cases? Don't you know that we will judge angels, not to mention ordinary matters? So if you have cases pertaining to this life, do you select those who have no standing in the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is not one wise person among you who is able to arbitrate between his brothers? Instead, believer goes to court against believer, and that before unbelievers. Therefore, to have legal disputes against one another is already a moral failure for you. Why not rather put up with injustice? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you act unjustly and cheat, and you do this to believers. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or anyone practicing homosexuality, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you'd be with us this morning as we, as we study your word. And I pray that even though we may be few in number, dear Lord, that you brought each one here to this place that needs to hear your word and that the Holy Spirit will help us to see and hear just the thing that, that needs to touch our life, dear Lord God. I pray that you would just pour your spirit out on us this morning, that you would fill this, this place up with an energy and excitement, dear Lord, to hear your word. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, dear Lord, uh, that you would humble me, that you just would let the Holy Spirit speak through me, dear Lord. 
God, just give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to hear, dear Lord, what this word may be uh, speaking to us. Perhaps, God, there is some disputes or conflicts among some of us, maybe with other church members or maybe with, with other Christians that we know, dear Lord. So help us to, to not hold grudges, but, God, to be able to work things out. And so I pray that you just speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Conflict resolution. There is no doubt it's going to be a time in, in every one of our lives where we are going to be involved in some kind of conflict or some kind of dispute. It's going to happen. Things are going to happen, whether they happen uh, purposefully or unintentionally or something is said or taken out of context. There are going to be situations in our life where there is probably going to be some a dispute between us and someone else. And no doubt that will also happen in churches. I'm sure everyone has probably seen some conflict or, or been part of some dispute that has taken place within a church. And perhaps we ourselves have been involved with it on a personal level. And that's what was going on for the church of Corinth here. Uh, there was some dispute. There was some conflict that had taken place. And Paul was trying to help the people of, of Corinth uh, be able to work through this in a Christ-like way. And he was calling them out because they weren't handling it in the way that they should have been handling it. Now, I don't know what the situation was that was taking place. Uh, uh, it, it doesn't tell us here exactly what this dispute was that was going on. He, he lists a, a lot of, of sinful things there toward the end of these verses that we read, and perhaps it was one of these issues that was taking place. I don't believe that these, that this ver these verses tie into the verses in chapter 5 that we saw. I think he was kind of shifting to a different thing. But whatever the conflict was, whatever the dispute was... Paul was calling the Corinthian people to act like Christians and not act in the way in which they were acting. He says in verse 1, If any of you has a legal dispute against another, do you dare go to court before the unrighteous and not before saints? And so there were believers that were, that were having a problem of some sort. But instead of, of dealing with it among other believers, as he had told them about in chapter 5, he said, look, you guys who are Christians who are a body of Christ, you guys need to be able to kind of look at a situation and see what's going on and judge it and, and deal with it accordingly. And we already see where, where Paul tells us at the first of the book of Corinthians that, that as Christians, uh, we have a different discernment. We're able to understand things that, that an unbeliever can't understand. There are things that God reveals to the Christian spiritually that the unbeliever just can't see, that their eyes are just not open to some of those things. They are living in darkness. And so as Christians whose eyes have been opened, uh, we should be living in light, and we, we kind of can better understand what God's Word has uh, for us, what we should do, how we should act, how we should handle situations. So Paul is saying, who is better fit to deal with situations among Christians than Christians? It is Christians who should be able to deal with those things because after all we have seen the light of God's word and what it reveals. But the problem was that there were Christians who were having a dispute with one another but instead of letting other Christians help them to figure out what was going on and to work this matter out, they were going to unbelievers. Paul was saying, look, there is no need for Christians to go to unbelievers because they are unfit to be able to, to understand things that are spiritual. Now, what I don't think Paul was saying 
is that, that there's no need for courts or there's no need for legal systems or there are not sometimes occasions where maybe uh, you will need to go before a court or before a jury. And I'm not just saying that because my wife's a lawyer. I don't think that, that Paul was, was condemning all, all acts and, and, and all need for going before a judge and before a group of people. But, but I do think he was saying that, that there are many things that probably could be handled among Christians that really get uh, blown out of proportion and things that get out of hand. I don't even think that Paul is necessarily saying that maybe, maybe the unbelievers would have, made a, would have made a right choice. He's not even saying, I don't think that, that maybe the choice that they were made or the, the advice or instruction that they were giving them was bad instruction. But the problem was that the believers could not work this out among themselves. If any people should be able to work out a dispute, it should be believers in Jesus Christ. Christians should be able to work out problems with one another. But in this case, for whatever reason, they weren't able to. Perhaps they were professing Christians. Perhaps they weren't Christians at all. Perhaps one was and one wasn't. Perhaps they both were and they were just living in sin and doing wrong. But they weren't able to work out the situation. How many times in our life do we have situations or conflicts with other believers that we are not able to work out? That we harbor an anger inside of us. Well, I'm not making the first move. He or she did that to me, and they can come apologize. It's their fault. I ain't doing nothing for them. I don't want to have anything to do with them. And instead of going to the person in which we have a dispute with and trying to work it out, oftentimes we may find ourselves going to talk to other people. And this Christian is talking to this group of people, talking down this other Christian who is talking to this group of people, talking down this other Christian and how does that make our Lord look? Are we being good representatives of the Lord? When we who profess to be Christians, when we who profess to have a life that is changed by Jesus Christ, when we are not able to get along, but then we go out into the world and say, let me tell you about how good Jesus is and how we're supposed to love everybody. But then everybody looks at our life and says, well, wait a minute. That's not how you're acting. When we as Christians can't get along and can't work out disputes, then we're, we're not we're not being a very good representative of our Lord. And perhaps that's part of the problem that, that Paul was dealing with here in Corinth, is that not only was it causing problems among believers within the church, but it was not a confined incident. It's not like it was just affecting the church. You see, when there's problems with believers within the church, it's far more reaching than just these four walls of Enterprise Baptist Church. It, it reaches out into our community. And then people hear stories of things that go on here or things that go on there. And one day somebody comes to them and says, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And they said, I don't want to hear anything about Jesus. I've heard what's going on in churches. I've seen what's going on in churches. I don't want to have anything to do with the church. I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. And sometimes our actions and our attitudes and our inability to resolve disputes and act in a Christian way like we should may have an effect on someone else and the choice that they make for the Lord. Now, ultimately, those who choose to reject the Lord, they will have to answer to the Lord for that. But I believe, and I may be wrong, but I believe as Christians, if there are actions that we have done that have caused people to act that way and have caused our Lord to not be represented in a positive light, I believe that we will have to answer to the Lord for that too. I may be wrong. 
So I think Paul was pointing out here that the problem was not just within the church, but it was reaching outside of the church. And, and shame on these people, Paul said. It's, it's to your shame that you are doing this. Verse 2, or don't you know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest cases? Don't you know that we will judge angels, not to mention ordinary matters? So Paul is saying, look, those of you who are in Christ Jesus, who are one day going to ultimately experience the victory that he has, Paul says, there's coming a day where you're going to judge angels. Now, I don't know if, if he's just referring to those fallen angels, those who have rejected the Lord, or perhaps he's talking about all angels altogether, both those who have done good and stuck by the Lord and served the Lord and those who have rejected the Lord. Whichever angels are both sets of angels that he may be talking about, the point is pretty, pretty clear. Paul says, look, you guys uh, who have victory in Jesus Christ, you're going to come to a point where you're going to judge angels. That means you're going to be judging over all these things that take place, and you're not able to judge over the smallest matter. One day, as Christians, you are going to judge angels, but you are not able to judge between a dispute where you're saying, no, the landmarker should be here, and I need this 10 feet of land. Nope, it's over here. That's my 10 feet of land. Or situations similar to that. How many times do we see situations that are just that trivial? That really, in the grand scheme of things, make no difference, but people will fight and feud, and they will go to the grave hating each other over a 10-foot section of land and fighting over it for years, being miserable and angry and bitter with each other. How many times do we have situations like that, perhaps some of us now in our life, some little something that we have made such a big deal out of, something that's so insignificant, and we really don't even, we, we may have even gotten to the point where we don't care about the thing we were fighting about, we just care about, we're we going to show them, we're not giving in, we're going to do it, we're going to get our way, and I'll fight it to the death. And sometimes, you know, even Christians can get to a point where they have that attitude. Boy, the devil loves for us to, he loves to get us fired up about little stuff that don't matter, and just to let it build up, and just to let it work up so that we lash out at other, other believers, so that we hinder our relationships with one another. And, and instead of going to one another and, and praying for one another in our times of struggle and lifting one another up and building one another up in the Lord, boy, the devil loves it when he can make us fuss and feud and dispute and fight with each other. Because if we're fussing and feuding, we're not, we're not drawing closer to each other and we're not drawing closer to the Lord. It's affecting our relationship with the Lord it may be affecting our church's walk with the Lord, and it may be affecting unbelievers' walk with the Lord. You see, the choices we make and the actions and the attitude we have toward one another don't just affect the parties involved. They affect the group that is the church, and they affect those outside the church. And so our actions of the church, whether good or whether bad, whether positive or whether negative, are going to have the same effect and those around us. If we are acting out of love for one another and in service to the Lord, then that's probably going to have a positive effect on those who are looking in at our life. But if we're harboring anger and, and fussing and feuding, then that's probably going to have a negative effect in our life and in the life of those who are around us. And Paul is trying to point this out. Whatever the, the situation, whatever the dispute was that was going on here, Paul says, look, you guys need to recognize who you are, what your standing is before the Lord. 
that one day you will judge angels. So shouldn't you be able to judge the least little thing here on this earth? Verse 4. So if you have cases pertaining to this life, do you select those who have no standing in the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is not one wise person among you who is able to arbitrate between his brothers? He's saying, in all of this group, and all of this body, is there not one wise Christian who is willing to stand up, who is able to, to see what's going on and to be able to take care of the situation? Is it so bad in the church that no one can, can, can take care of the situation that you have to go to unbelievers who aren't going to be seeking God's wisdom, who don't know what God's desire is for your life, who aren't going to lead you in a Christ-like way? Is it really so bad within the church that you have to go outside to find help? And Paul says, Shame on you. This is to your shame that this is happening. This is not a good place to be in. This is not a good place for the body of Christ to be that there is such a conflict that it can't be settled among your body of believers, but that you have to seek outside help. I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is not one wise person among you who is able to arbitrate between his brothers? Instead, believers go to court against unbelievers, and that, or excuse me, believers go to court against believer, and that against unbelievers. Therefore, to have legal disputes against one another is already a moral failure for you. Paul says. The problem is not that you're going to court. He says, look, you've already had problems way before this. If you've gotten to a point to where you're having to go to court to dispute this, this, this matter among other people, he says, and there's already been a failure as Christians. If you have let it build to get to a point to where you can't work it out and no other believers can help you and you have to seek outside help, he says, look, this train has gone off the track way before it got to this point. So this has been a problem that had been obviously building. You know when the best time to deal with a problem is as soon as it first happens? If you deal with problems as soon as they first happen, generally you can deal with them and everything will work out fine. But you know, the longer problems build, the longer we have disputes and are angry with people or have problems with people for whatever reason, boy, our brain starts to work. And our brain never gives people the benefit of the doubt. Our brain never, never, never thinks in a positive way. As soon as conflict breaks out, our brain starts working and it's always negative. Everything that person says, everything we hear about that person, we tie it into, well, they're trying to bring me down. They're trying to show me. They're trying to do this. They're trying to do that. I'll show them. And we begin just to get angry and angry because we let it build. And sometimes we let things build in our mind that, that ain't even really happened. We done made a big deal out of something that's not a big deal. Oftentimes, when a, when a problem breaks out, we make a mountain out of a molehill. But as Christians, what Paul is saying we need to do is we need to be making molehills out of mountains. We need to be taking those things that are big, and we don't need to be making them bigger, but we need to be making them smaller. We need to be able to come together as Christians and work these things out in love for one another. He says, why not rather put up with injustice? Why not rather... Be cheated. Instead, you act unjustly and cheat, and you do this to unbelievers. He says, look, it would be better for you to put up with a little injustice. It'd be better for you just to mis be mistreated than to lash out at a brother in Christ and cause more problems. He said, wouldn't it be better for you just to sit back and take it? 
He says it's bad enough that you would that you would go against someone who's brought an injustice to you, but you're doing this against a fellow believer in Jesus Christ. And there are many times in life where perhaps it would be best for us just to sit back. Perhaps there are times in life where we're not in the wrong, where we have done everything right. But perhaps we just need to sit back because that's what's better for the situation. After all, that's what our very own Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did for us. He had done nothing wrong. There were many who come against Him uh, bringing false accusations. But Jesus didn't retaliate. He could have retaliated, but in that moment He knew that for the, for the good of all people, it'd be better just to take it, even though He had done nothing wrong. And what better example for us to look at when we think about people Perhaps some of us right now, we're reminded of someone who may have done us wrong last week or last year or 20 years ago. Perhaps it'd be better sometimes just to take a little injustice for the good of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that that, does that mean that every time somebody does us wrong that we are to sit there and take it? Well, I don't think necessarily. But there may be times in life and we need to seek the Lord's guidance. We need to, to, to seek the Lord's strength to know, okay, Lord, should I, should I act in this moment or should maybe I just sit back and would it be better for me just to be quiet than to cause conflict among my brothers? And Paul was saying, look, in this instance, wouldn't it be better for you just to, just to kind of let wrong be done to you? But instead, so many times when we are wronged, we don't just take it. Instead, we go and wrong the other person. We want to get payback. And so we start this vicious cycle. Someone does us wrong, I'm not going to take this, I'll show them, and we go and do wrong to them. And then they got to one-up us. And then there's a vicious cycle. And you know what? That's expected among unbelievers because they don't know any better. But Paul is saying among us, Christians, believers, we know better. We shouldn't be trying to one-up each other in an evil way. We should be trying to solve these problems. We should be trying to get a little conflict resolution going on to say, look, brother, look, sister, there's a problem. It don't need to be a problem. Let's work this out. Let's give it to the Lord, and let's put this behind us. And that's hard to do. It's not that that's always easy to do, because sometimes people do us wrong. It's not always easy to do, but that's what God calls us to do. Verse 9. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? So perhaps Paul is calling out to the people here saying, maybe some of these who are calling themselves righteous, maybe they are not actually as righteous as they thought. Maybe they are professing to be Christians, but perhaps they don't have a walk with the Lord. Now, we have no way of knowing. We don't know the people's hearts. I don't know your heart. You don't know my heart. And we definitely don't know the hearts of the people that lived uh, thousands of years ago in Corinth. But... But for people who are acting in a certain way and, and not acting in a Christ-like way and not having a Christ-like attitude, perhaps they have been deceived. Perhaps they don't have a relationship with the Lord. And I think Paul was trying to open their eyes and get their attentions and, and, and make sure that they questioned and realized were they righteous or were they living unrighteous. He says, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Perhaps he's telling them, you're acting in an unrighteous way, and if you continue to live this way, this is not what God called you to. 
And if you continue to live in an unrighteous way, you're not going to inherit God's kingdom. You're not going to get the blessings and the rewards and the eternity with the Lord that you may be looking forward to because you are acting not as a righteous child of God, but as an unrighteous child. He says, Do not be deceived, no sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or anyone practicing homosexuality, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, no doubt, all of these things were probably taking place in Corinth. Guess what? All of these things are taking place in Amid County right now as we speak. These are, these are sinful things that have been taking place all throughout the world. And perhaps Paul was listing these things off perhaps to get their attention. To say, hey, look, these are the things that the unrighteous do. These people that, that, that practice and live in, in, in these sinful ways, they don't, they don't know God's word. They're not living by God's word. They're just, they're just living like animals. But, but we as Christians should be living better than that. We should not be living as the unrighteous. Because as Paul goes on to say, he says, And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Paul says, look, here's the things that's unrighteous. Here's some of the sins. This ain't obviously isn't an exhaustive list, but look, here's some of the things that's going on, and these are sinful things. And he said, look, you used to be like this. And some of us used to be like those things. We used to have these things in our life. But Paul is reminding them who they are in Christ. They have been sanctified. They have been redeemed. They're new people. They're justified not because of their actions, but because of the but because of Jesus' actions and what he did on the cross. And he's reminding them who they are. He said, look, you used to be this sinner. Back when you used to be a sinner, yeah, you would have acted this way. But you're not this way anymore. You're a child of God now. You've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been redeemed. You've been justified. You've been made holy. You've been set apart by God. You are a new creation. And you used to be this way. Perhaps these people that Paul were talking to were genuine Christians, and they just were living in sin. And he's, and, he's, and he's trying to call their attention to, you used to be this way, you used to be a sinner, but you're not anymore. So don't act that way anymore. Don't go back to that old lifestyle. Know who you are in Christ and know what Christ calls you to. Sure, the old way in us, the sinner in us, the one that doesn't know God's Word, the one that hasn't known Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, sure, that person's going to fuss and feud and dispute and fight and have all these things and harbor anger feelings and try to lash out at one another. But as Christians, Paul is saying, God has called us to something better. God has called us to put those things in our past. God has called us as brothers and sisters in Christ, as a body of Christ, to come together and to love one another and to build one another up, not to come together to tear each other down. Paul is trying to get the body of, of Corinth to come together so that they can grow in the Lord and continue to do the Lord's work and grow the church. But what was happening is 
these things had crept in, that division had crept in, all these sinful things had crept in that they were that they were boasting about, that they were proud of, and instead of and instead of coming together, they were divided. Instead of instead of uh, saying no to sin, they were embracing sin. Instead of working out their problems with one another, they were fussing and feuding and getting their problems even worse until it was spilling outside of the church and not representing the Lord in the way that He should be represented. So perhaps there is some conflict in our life. Perhaps there's someone who's done you wrong, and maybe it's a serious wrong, or maybe it's a simple wrong. Or perhaps we need to look a little deeper and say, who maybe have I done wrong? You know, it's easy for me, it's easy maybe for you guys too, to look at all the people who may have done me wrong. But you know the first thing that never comes to my mind is, who might I have done wrong? It's easy for me to reflect. I could make you a list. Uh, this person did this. This person did that. And that list could probably go back for years. And shame on me. I should be putting those things in the past. But sometimes they keep coming back. But what if we first, before we started looking at all the people who have wronged us, begin to take our list and we begin to say, who have I wronged? Ah, I probably shouldn't have done that to him. Or I probably shouldn't have done that to her. Or, Maybe I was a little short with him, or maybe I was a little short with her. Maybe we're waiting on people to come at our feet and, and fall down and, and tell them how sorry they are and beg our forgiveness. But perhaps it's us who needs to go to some people and beg their forgiveness. And what better example for us to look at than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Perhaps if we begin to look at ourselves a little more, Perhaps we would be a little more patient and a little more merciful with others. Perhaps if we begin to recognize some of the wrongs that we have done and some of the ways that we have treated people and some of the anger that we have harbored up within us for all these years, perhaps if we begin to see some of those things, it wouldn't be quite as easy for us to hold a grudge against some others. It's not easy. It's not easy when maybe you're not in the wrong. It's not easy when people are mean to you or mistreat you for no reason. It's not easy. But it wasn't easy for Jesus. It wasn't easy for Jesus to be nailed to a cross. It wasn't easy for Jesus to be mocked, or at least I don't believe it was. But he did it. He did it for you and I. And if Jesus can give his life on a cross for you and I so that we can be forgiven... If Jesus, while he's hanging there, says, Father, forgive these men and women that are doing all this stuff because they don't know what they're doing. If our Lord and Savior can forgive the very people who nailed him to a cross and mocked him and spit on him, then how can we not forgive a brother who may have done the least little thing to us? And you say, well, you don't know what he or she did. How can you say it's the least little thing? No, I don't know what he or she did, but I know this. I know ain't nobody nailed you to a cross and spit on you and put a crown of thorn on your heads. I know that. And if Jesus can forgive people of that, then what can we not forgive people of? So we need to pray to the Lord, maybe, to open our own heart, to cause us to reflect on our own heart, to give us the strength. Because as sinful human people, we just don't have the strength. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is, is that we're probably not going to be walking out of here just instantly with the strength to forgive people. Maybe we will. Maybe the Holy Spirit spoke to some of you today. 
But it may very well take time. It may take us praying to say, all right, God, I've seen it. Your Holy Spirit has convicted my heart. I see where I'm holding grudges. I, I see where I need to sit back and take it even if I hadn't done wrong. I see where I've done wrong that maybe I need to ask for forgiveness. But Father God, I don't have the strength, so give me the strength to do what I need to do. Whether it's take it or whether it's seek forgiveness for myself. And when we struggle and say, I can't do it, we need to look no further than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God has called us to something so much better as believers than to fuss and feud with each other. So let us not give Satan a foothold to come in and cause dispute and anger among us. But let us seek the Lord so that we as a church will, will draw together so that what people hear coming from this place and what people see coming from our lives will be something that will bring glory to the Lord. Not to us, not to enterprise. We don't want any glory. But we do want to be believers who are representing our Lord and Savior in a way that's going to bring glory to Him, that's going to draw people to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to You this morning and we thank You for these words. And this, this is heavy stuff, dear Lord. This is real stuff. This is real to us because we know what it's like, God, to, to have problems. But help us to be able to, in a peaceful way, to be able just to sit down and talk through those things, to be able to address those things, to be able to kind of bite our tongue when we want to lash out, God, to be able to seek forgiveness of those that we've wronged, and God, to be patient as, as, as perhaps uh, they seek our forgiveness, dear Lord. God, help us to be patient if maybe we just are at a point where we just need to sit back and take it. Maybe that's what's best, God. Sometimes as Christians, you... You call us to that. So God, I pray that if there's a time that we need to just sit back and be quiet, that we're able to sit back and be quiet. And I pray, God, that you would keep this church safe from, from conflict. And God, it's, all, it's always going to rear its ugly head. There's always going to be something that will creep in. But God, help us to be able to discern and see those, those, those evils as they creep in, that we don't let them take control of our heart and, and affect our relationships with others. But Father God, that we come together and share our burdens and our troubles and seek prayer and, and, uh, and encouragement from one another and not seek to fight with one another. So God, I pray that your word would just speak to us today. Let us look at our own hearts and see maybe where we failed, dear Lord, and let us seek you for strength to, to do better in the areas we need to. God, perhaps there's one in this room that's never accepted Jesus Christ. Maybe they never really realized what Jesus suffered on the cross. They never realized what was given and how much restraint he had to have. Maybe today they realized for the first time that he had that restraint because he loved them. He didn't fight back because he wanted to give his life as a sacrifice for them. So God, I pray that if there's one in this room that's never accepted Jesus Christ, that's never asked him for forgiveness, that's never accepted him as being your son and accepted his blood as the forgiveness of their sins, and turned their life to Him and trusted Him as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray that if there is one in this room that hasn't done that, that today they would make that decision. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.